Hello, and welcome to the Gravel Ride Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Dalton. This week on the show, we have Neil Shirley from Envy on to talk about the Envy Custom Road. You heard me correct. Custom Road. Not to worry, we're not renaming the show The Road Ride, but I thought this project was so interesting in how they're manufacturing in the United States that it was worth highlighting. In last week's In the Dirt episode, we had so many questions about how Envy was pulling off this custom road that I thought it was worth talking to the team at Envy, and who better than to talk to our old friend Neil Shirley. The Gravel Ride podcast is supported by a limited number of sponsors, as well as listeners like you. If you're interested in supporting the show, please visit buymeacoffee.com slash thegravelride. And now, let's jump right into my conversation. Neil, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Craig. I'm excited to talk talk bikes. You're back again. You're in a rare breed of second-time guests on the Gravel Ride podcast. Really? Wow. It's been, uh, how long has it been? Two and a half, three years since I was on the show last time? Yeah, because I think it was just before you moved out to Utah to join the team yeah. at Envy. Yeah, I'm uh, yeah, happy to be back. Thanks for letting it, making it happen. When you work for a company like Envy and you drop a project like Envy Custom Road, <laughs> despite being called the Gravel Ride Podcast, I was instantly drawn to having this conversation with you. It's, it's an exciting it's an exciting bike but the the whole project itself is really cool because as I'm sure uh, you're thinking like a couple little tweaks to some of the molds and all of a sudden it's a gravel bike too right <laughs> yeah absolutely why don't we start off Neil I'm gonna refer everybody to our earlier conversation to learn a little bit about your background but for the listener Neil's a longtime road, mountain, gravel athlete, and has really put in a lot of effort into the gravel community, as has Envy. It's been a company that has been just thinking a lot about gravel and putting very thoughtful products in, products that are used by a lot of custom builders. Your handlebars are super well popular in the gravel cycling community. But why don't you talk a little bit about Envy as a company and where it got its start, and then we'll get into this new project. Yeah, so Envy, we're located in Ogden, Utah, so just about 40 minutes north of Salt Lake. Um, and we have a large military base just just south of, of Ogden. And so the area, for a small area, has a lot of, kind of has a, a long history of composites and some good engineers come from the area. Envy was founded in Ogden 15 years ago, and it was founded by a group of four people that really wanted they had the carbon expertise had an idea around manufacturing in the u.s and were all avid cyclists and decided there was a room there's room in the market and a need for some of the products that they really wanted to ride and uh, experience themselves that just really didn't exist or at least not at the level that they wanted them at that's where envy started with mountain rims and then moved into road rims and just as the company progressed was able to dial in aerodynamics and the road side of the business really continued to take off three years ago we moved into a new facility still here in ogden but really what makes envy special it isn't inherently that U.S. manufacturing is superior to manufacturing anywhere else. It's I, I think really what makes Envy special is the fact that everything, all of our rims, our engineering, this new bike that we'll jump into, everything is done in-house. So we have design, engineering, 
prototyping, manufacturing, shipping, marketing, everything under one roof. And so the collaboration between the different teams that actually get a product to market is all done um, cohesively and efficiently. There isn't shipping stuff back and forth to Asia to iterate on and test. It, it, it's all done in the same building here in Ogden. And so that's, I, I think that's really what makes us special as a brand. Yeah, that is a really special thing to highlight. I think oftentimes the layman doesn't realize how long it takes to develop and iterate on products. Having had a little experience as a manufacturer myself, knowing that you can go to the factory floor, make a tweak, test it very quickly, it's just so much more efficient than shipping a product back to Asia with notes scribbled on it and having a Skype conversation, then getting a factory overseas to ship it back to you. Each one of these cycles takes two or three months to sort itself out. So you can imagine just how long it takes to get a product to market. Yeah, you're right. It, it, the, the time and the, the expense, honestly, too, of shipping back and forth, oftentimes having an engineer that's having to spend a uh, considerable amount of time in Asia and coming back and forth. And so just to be able to do it, to do it right here and honestly, lunch ride. And I mean, we have so many of the people within Envy. We have 200 employees here at Envy. And quite a few of us are avid cyclists. Some of the engineers are elite level cyclists. On the, lunch, the daily run, lunch ride, typically some prototype um, or sample product that's getting tested. And a day or two later, maybe that rim that someone's riding is going to be iterated on. A new prototype is made. And a day or two later, we're out ra- test riding it on the lunch ride again. So that's uh, spring through fall is what you can expect. Super interesting. As you, the components gained steam, presumably at some point you moved into manufacturing tube sets for other builders. Can you talk about that process and what that's been like? Yeah, the tube sets. Uh, so early on with Envy, we really, still what we're doing now, we looked at the market and we could carve out a spot for ourselves. And that that really came um, at the time was serving the custom handmade builders that were predominantly using, you know, steel or, or titanium. Uh, we, we were able to roll tubes and do carbon tubes for them. And, and we still do it. It's a very, that part of the business shrunk as more bikes are molded now, molded carbon now, but we've, you know, I think we still work with Calfee doing some of their tubes. Um, we worked with Parley in the past, independent fabrication. So, some of the more notable handmade builders, we've been able to service them. And still to this day, I mean, a lot of those builders are using the forks. Forks is a large part of our business. Yeah, the builders have been really, they've been a huge part of our success. I have to, to say uh, that to where, the, where we're at today. The Envy Builder Roundup is one of my favorite <laughs> events of the year. Yeah. It's so great yeah. just looking at all those bikes there. They all, everybody comes out. It's like the handmade bike show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited. Unfortunately, the North American handmade bike show is not happening this year. And so this will be year three for us for the Builder Roundup. It's June 25th. 
this year and fingers crossed we'll be able to last year it was just a virtual show which was great it challenged us in new ways and it allowed us to really take that content and serve it to a bigger audience and not just doing the open house this year we'll do the same but we'll also have an open house so hopefully we can have have people out here we'll have a number of the builders here inside envy visiting us and of course the bikes on display so yeah it's it's really cool to see every each of these builders their own idea of what their ideal bike is and, and the custom builders they're ahead of the curve in what trends are because you can make a bike so quickly if you have to if you're waiting on cannondale or specialized or some of these brands like you know they're doing great stuff but they're they're two years behind what the custom builders are doing so you can look and see what what's going on with these builders and seeing what uh, how people are riding bikes how much tire clearance they want i mean there's a lot of there were a number of gravel bikes at the show last year with 700 by 50 tires on it. Whoa, this is the trend. I mean, bigger and bigger tires. Anyway, it's really cool to see what each builder has in mind and how their bikes are being used. Yeah, I remember seeing that last year, and I think it coincided with the introduction of your Adventure Fork, if I'm not yep. mistaken. But just seeing that trend, which is aligned with where I'm going personally, I think bigger and bigger tires just fits where I want to go and what I want to do on the gravel bike, which is interesting. And I think a lot of the conversation on the podcast this year has been around bike packing and adventure rides as the events got taken off the calendar, more and more riders were looking to just create their own adventures. Yeah. I mean, that's everyone was some of the rides I saw on Strava that people I was following were doing, it was like almost without the racing, they had no limits or boundaries. 200 plus mile rides on a Saturday and multi-day bike packing rides. So people got really creative. I was, I was jealous of some of the rides that people were doing. Cause I mean, that's really, that's the spirit of, I don't want to say just gravel because there's, you can do it on the road too, but I think truly gravel brings that out more and allows people just to have more of that adventure that they're looking for. And that usually leads to just some over the top rides. Yeah. And as I've been talking about a lot lately, just the idea for me about com combining road and off-road riding and creating these loops that are just atypical from what I would normally do is really inspiring me for 2021 to frankly set my bike up a little differently and definitely think about where I'm going to go differently. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I've personally been on a little bit of a road kick, which I'd never thought I'd say. I think I've just, it's, a, I had a friend come into town who only had a road bike and I just, I started to remember all the things I used to love about road riding. So when this new project got publicized, the Envy Custom Road Bike, I was like, it couldn't have been more perfect timing. Let's sit down and talk about it. So let's, it sounds like the bike was a long time coming. So do you want to talk about the history behind the bike? And then we'll get into some of the details. Sure. So the bike, the bike was pretty much the original product that Envy, it was when Envy was founded, it was actually called the Edge. And then after about a year and a half, two years, the, the name was changed to Envy. But it was one of the very original products. And it kept getting 
getting pushed back because there was a greater the management team felt that there was a greater potential with expanding the wheel line and then components from there and frame just get kind of got kicked down the road a bit and then it was two and a half years ago that the project started in earnest and it was that was when the engineers actually started really looking at what is this bike going to be in 2016 Envy released the 4.5 ar wheels which is one of our still to this day one of our best-selling wheel set the problem with that wheel set is that at the time in 2016 there were very few frames that wheel work in so it's a 25 millimeter internal width and it's made for 28 plus millimeter tires so it was the wheel designed for dimension data the world tour team that we we're working with to race at perry roubaix so they could still have the aerodynamics that they would want on a race wheel set with a high volume tire and there are just very few frames that had the clearance to a very few race frames performance bikes that were that would allow that size um, wheel and tire that's when the engineers were like okay what would what would this modern road bike look like and so that kind of was the catalyst of okay let's put together some ideas so then finally two and a half years ago they actually started drawing it out and then it's been about a year and a half that we've been riding prototype frames the first i got on the version one prototype last it would have been a year ago in january and then that was looking at, okay, what are some of the geometries? And then from there, what is what is the laminate, the layup look like? How stiff is it stiff enough? Is it too stiff? Just understanding the ride quality. And then I've, for about the last three and a half, four months, I've been on the final version, which is the bike that we just launched last week. It seems to us around here, it's been a really fast project and stuff happening quickly. But now stepping back and thinking like, wow, two and a half years, that's a really long time. So the, the bike that was launched is available. One of the a couple of points I wanted to clarify because I was a little bit confused when I first read it, it's available with two different geometries, the race and the all road. Correct. And then from there, there's additional amounts of customization that are available on a rider by rider basis. It is. It is custom geometry. When, what that means though, what we're customizing is the fit. Basically, the stack in the reach is what we're allowing customers to customize. And so we want to make sure that each rider gets exactly where they need to be. And we're not fitting them on the bike with a stock top tube length, a stock head tube length, and then just using stem length to, to try and dial them in. All of those are customizable. What we're not allowing people to do, which is why we have a race and an all road, we have fixed geometry to determine basically the ride that we want each of these bikes to deliver. So we're not allowing customers to say, make a gravel bike out of our road bike. We're not allowing them to adjust chain stay length. Those, those numbers, we are, we have determined what those are with our fit calculator. And then when, when a customer reserves a bike and they walk through geometry with our customer service rep that is dedicated to the bike, um, we look at what they're currently riding. 
um, if they've had a, a bike fit, a number of different things to determine the, the best fit for them. And so what we can do, if someone is riding, say, a, a specialized Tarmac SL7 in 56 centimeter with a 120 stem, and they really love, they fit on it really well, but they have, say, 25 millimeters of spacers under that stem. We can match them exactly to that fit, but what we can do a head tube length that brings it so that they don't have to have any spacers or they can have five millimeters of spacers. So you get really that clean pro look, that perfect fit that you're looking for. Right. Does that, does that make sense? It does. And it, it totally translates into the visuals I've seen of the bike. There's Mm -hmm. no spacers underneath the stem on any of those bikes. They look super clean. And I imagine in talking to some custom frame builders, there's always a bit of back and forth that the frame builder will say, Hey, that's your, we can do that, but you're going to make a sloppy bike. And all you guys have done, it said, this is the way this part is but there's plenty of ways in which we can really customize it to your unique fit needs. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think if you look, if you think about it, it, it's basically the best way to describe what's possible is one millimeter size increments between say a 47 to 63 centimeter bike. So 47, 48, 49, 50, then with, within those sizes, we can, we can go lower with the head tube. We can go higher with the head tube. Obviously, stem length within five millimeter increments, we can change the stem length. So what we do when we come up with the geometry, we have comes up, we have a thing called the best fit calculator that Kevin Nelson, our lead bike engineer, developed. And when we, it calculates and spits out geometries or the best fit. So three or four best fit recommendations for the person. So that could be top tube of X centimeters with a, with a stem length of 110, or it could go a slightly shorter top tube and a stem length of 115. And so then we walk the customer through, okay, this is, we allow them to say, okay, this is what I like. This is the style I like. Ultimately, though, we're finding a few ways to get the get the customer in the exact spot they need to be. That makes sense. And speaking of integrations, you've got a, an integrated bar stem as well as a, a seat mast situation going. Can you talk about yep. the decisions to go that down those routes? Yeah. When we looked at the bike and what we could deliver, that being able to do it in-house here and the fact that it was custom made for each customer. There was, there was no reason not to do this integration. And some of the biggest complaints and, and complaints I personally have had with a one-piece bar stem is that if you're buying a stock bike, oftentimes like that bar stem is probably not going to fit you because say a 56 centimeter frame that you're buying is probably going to with between a 110 or a 120 stem. So unless that bike brand is allowing you to really trade out the bar stem stock to something that is always going to fit you, it's a huge hassle. We're taking that factor out. We're making, we're ensuring that this bike is designed around your fit needs and what you achieve with that one piece bar stem one, it looks, looks so good (laughs) Two, um, it's more arrow three. I personally think it just adds, it 
a higher performance feel like in the drops you're out of the saddle like it it's stiff it feels incredibly fast then one of the one of the last things is um and it's not necessarily achieved through the one piece bar stem but it's our internal it's our internal wire and hose routing you don't see any wires or hoses it's a special integrated front end that we developed and we uh, we worked with chris king to develop the headset for it so all the all the wires and hoses go through in um, through the stem through a hole in the back of the handlebar and then the hoses and wires are routed through the special headset and down into the frame and through the fork so it's incredibly clean um, we will we will this summer we'll be introducing the same system but in a two-piece design so it's our standard ar ses ar road handlebar with a mv stem that is dedicated to that front end system okay and going with um, the seat mask did that allow you some additional ride tuning capabilities exactly one it allowed us to reduce take a little bit of weight out of the frame but also yeah you nailed it you can if you think about if you had a, a seat post that goes slides into the frame it's a lot harder to tailor and dial in that ride quality compared to an integrated seat mast and what we can achieve with that and again since each bike is made for each customer the length of the seat mast and having to trim it and all that stuff wasn't a factor so there was no reason not to. And then the seat mask topper, it's a nice carbon topper that's also made here here in our facility. It has 35 millimeters of adjustability. There's never going to be an issue where if you change shoes or pedals and your saddle height changes by a centimeter and a half, you're going to have plenty of adjustability. So that's not going to be an issue. The only issue could be is if you happen to sell your bike down the road to someone else and there's a decent height difference so that would be the only issue yeah um, you know when when i first looked at the bike i always do get a little bit sensitive around seat masks and integrated bar stems for the reasons you've talked about but it is important and you made this point twice to say this is a bike that's being uniquely made for the purchaser and it would almost be a disservice to them to not give them the ultimate bike that fits like a glove yeah yeah, and you know that's what we set out with this project. Like, what is the ultimate bike? What are the coolest things that we can do because we're making it here and we're making it for each customer? And so that's what the custom road represents. Like the the no hold, you know, no holds barred, coolest thing that we could design and manufacture. And then I'd say the lastly, kind of along the same point topic as integration can be a point of frustration, especially for people that are traveling. I, I travel with my bike a lot. And so I want something that's easy to pack. And we all know that internal routing and integration is a huge pain when having to pack a bike. So that's why we made the decision to work with Cycon. And we have their high-end bike bag. It's an $800 retail bike bag that comes with every chassis, rolling chassis, or complete bike. So each one is shipped in this bag. And with this bag, you don't have to take off the hand, you don't have to take off the bar stem combo or the seat topper. All you remove are the wheels. It's literally a five minute pack job. And in most cases, unless you're packing this case full of extra stuff, 
it's going to come in well below the 50 pound weight limit to fly free on Delta and American Airlines. So really cool solution. Get around any hassles of traveling with your bike. That's awesome. Early on in the conversation, you talked about with your support for builders providing rolled tubes. Is that the Mm -hmm. type of tube set that is integrated into the custom road? No, these are all these are all molded molded tube sets and how this frame is constructed and the our ability to do sizes with it. So it's nine different pieces that create the frame. So you have the top tube with the top half of the head tube is one piece, down tube with the bottom half of the head tube is another piece. And then from there we have a, a fixture that we created that cuts Basically, when we have all the customers' exact fit, there is, there's a program where uh, this tube cutter cuts tubes for the bike at the same time. And that's also where, like for the head tube, we, you know, we determine the head tube length and all that gets cut. All these, then all these pieces, we have a, a frame jig. They go into the frame jig. The pieces slide together. I don't want to say like treks. Not, it's not a lug. Um, but it is like a male, female fit. And then uh, there's a, there's an over wrap that, that goes on them. Um, Gotcha. In the mold is the mold one size. And then that cutting technology cuts them down to the custom dimensions of the purchaser. Essentially. And and we do have multiple molds depending for between the extremes of the biggest size and the smallest size. But yes, essentially what you're saying. Fascinating. And is that something, to your knowledge, is that a unique process at Envy or have other companies been doing a similar type approach? I believe it is unique for us because we there's plenty that of the process that we're not really showing. I think what's really special is how we're able to do it while achieving some of the arrow shapes in the frame, which is, as far as I know, hasn't really been done yet. Yeah, that was one of the big questions when Randall and I were talking in the last episode of In the Dirt about it. We just weren't quite sure how you were pulling off custom dimensions on the tubes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So really it's a remarkable process. We've already had, we've had a couple media out here seeing it pre-launch and we have a couple more that have expressed interest in visiting post-launch. So it's, it's, yeah, I think our engineering team that we have here in-house, some really brilliant people and Kevin who is, is behind the bike. He, even though this is tech, Technically, the first bike for Envy, as we've been talking about, we've worked with bike builders a lot in the past. And we also worked with Cervelo and designed and manufactured the front end of their P5X triathlon time trial bike. And then Kevin, before he came over to Envy, he worked, I mean, he worked at a GT back in their heyday when, you know, the lotto bikes and building some of the bikes and going over to Perry Bay with the team and <laughs> So he's got great stories and then some time specialized developing the first Roubaix. Even though it's a new it's a new category for us, there's definitely a lot of know-how within the building in, uh, in how to put together a road bike. Yeah, exactly. And then much like a lot of the other custom offerings out there in the world, you, at the end of the day, you get to choose from, looks like a pretty vast selection of paint schemes. Yep. 
Yeah, we brought in a painter a year ago. We already had a paint shop here where we paint, you know, our mountain stems that are made here and our, our disc rear time trial wheels. And uh, so we brought in this painter and for the last year he's been painting. We all have custom painted forks and handlebars now, just trying to keep him busy until we had until we had frames to be feeding through there. But <laughs> he put together basically his paint shop and so with the help of our design team and they created four different four different paint templates for the frame and then 38 color options and matte versus gloss as options as well there's i mean you can talk about having a unique bike without even having to spend extra on on extra custom paint or anything which which is an option but anyone that has seen the coverage on our site and some of the different paints that are painted bikes that are coming out like there's man you you can do some really cool stuff i was just down in the paint shop this afternoon and seeing like we we're doing a bike for chris king right now that's just unbelievable so it's really cool to be able to offer something like that i know aesthetics the paint is not something that it doesn't make you any faster, but I mean, it's these bikes, as we know, like you have a relationship with your bike. It, I don't just look at my bikes as a tool. And so to be able to fi- have something a little more individual and show, you know, some personality, I had a Stormtrooper. My bike is mostly all white, but I had a Stormtrooper logo put on the handlebar stem because it just reminded me of that. All that stuff is really cool when you're talking about a bike that you're going to have for years and years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're preaching to the choir here. I ride a pink bicycle, so I know what it I know what it means to make your you know choose a paint color that makes you happy when you're out there on the yeah. roads and trails. Yeah. That's awesome. Neil, so how long would one have to wait at this point to get one of these bikes? So as we as of last Friday, we launched as we expected, we had a, a considerable number of orders came in. So I think we're looking at if someone went on and you know went to envy.com today you're probably looking at fall late fall for uh for delivery of a bike which seems under normal circumstances that would be a really long time but in covid reality right now it might not seem that far off when a lot of the a lot of the big bike brands are not able to deliver until 2022 in a lot of cases it's it is a long time some of the first people that we're able to get in line. Um, they're going to have bikes delivered to them next as uh, soon as April. Nice. As you mentioned with COVID, it might take you just as long to get a Grupo these days. No, and that's that's a big factor for us as, as well. There's if people those that are choosing the chassis or rolling chassis only option, they're likely to get the bike a lot quicker and source their own Shimano or SRAM parts elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. I've talked to a lot of builders who have a lot of frustration in the current state of affairs because they just can't move full bikes out the door, which is quite a shame. It is. And it's I I really feel for a lot of the a lot of the brands out there because the business we're in a really interesting situation where there is is much business for the taking. It's really up to you how well you do. And so many of them have their hands tied right now because they literally, their order books are so full, but they don't have parts or they don't have frame sets from their vendors or any of that. We, in the bike industry, we have our ups and downs. So when when the business is there, you want to be able to capitalize it on it and not to be able to do that is really, really sad. 
Yeah, no doubt about that. Good news is I think we are looking forward. We're trending towards people getting vaccinated. We're trending towards some of these events happening. Hopefully by the time like a BWR San Diego runs around, rolls around, we'll start to see some of these Envy custom road with the all road geometry racing those types of events. I know I'll be out there with mine. We're going to have, yeah, there'll, there'll be a handful of them out there. I sure hope I'll, yeah. I can't wait to go test mine in the, some of the single track, the lemon twist in Berg and some of those fun sections. Yeah, that's awesome. As we were talking about offline, I think for me, the gravel world has this spectrum from road plus, which is this 35 millimeter kind of size tire all the way on the other extreme to the bike packing side. So it's thrilling to see brands continue to push the limits on both sides. Cause I think depending on where you live in the country, either or is going to make sense for you depending on your local terrain. Yes, it's totally true. I, the Wasatch mountains here, just out our back door here in Utah, they're so rocky and rugged. Like I would never, even a 700 by 40 is you're under biking most of the time, like a 650 B and 47 to 50 mil tires is the way to go. But you know, like we were talking about in, in Lincoln, Nebraska, when I did gravel worlds out there, you know, I raced a 32 C tire. Um, so it really ge- is geographically dependent on terrain is definitely for BWR San Diego. I'll happily run a 32 C in, in my custom road. And it's going to be a, it, it's going to be an awesome bike. And then my, as a gravel guy here and a number of us here in Envy that, that ride gravel consistently, we're pushing for that next that next version that can fit some big tires in there. I think we need to really just understand the demand that's that we have for for the custom road, and then understand how we can scale up and be able to keep up with the demand, and and then add hopefully add a gravel version as well. That makes a ton of sense. I mean, Envy's been such a great supporter of the gravel community, as I said before. So. I'm sure that bike will come, which is why it was important to have this conversation today. Yeah. Cool. Well, Neil, thank you so much for making time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Craig. It's it's fun to talk about. It's, it's been something that we've been living the last two and a half years. So to be able to, to launch the bike and start telling people about it has been so exciting. That's it for this week's episode of the gravel ride podcast. Big thanks to Neil for coming on and talking about the envy custom road project It's really exciting to see both sides of the sport continue to innovate. I tell you, it looks like one fast machine. I'll put a link in the show notes to where you can find out more information about the Envy Custom Road Bike. Definitely check out some of the custom paint jobs that Neil was mentioning. Truly beautiful bikes. If you've made it this far in the show, I hope that you're already a subscriber. But if not, make sure to hit that subscribe button. We put out episodes just about every week, and we've got about 100 in the back catalog for you to peruse. Until next time, here's to finding some dirt under your wheels.